Um, and so, yeah, by the time like I was 15, 16, I was pretty financially well off. And, um, you know, I was just sort of like living the American dream. Like <laughs> I had a ton of money. I bought whatever I wanted. I could do whatever I want, but I didn't do any of those things. And so that for me was a really confusing period. But then also something interesting happens is once you make enough money to where you can survive and, and, and some, then it, then your mind starts to worry about other things <laughs> because you're like, Oh wait, I already, like, I don't need to worry about money. So then your mind starts to worry into all these other things that, that sometimes don't even matter. Sure. So then the next step becomes, okay, I've made it this far. Now I need to like truly understand what life is about. And I need to, not just develop, you know, my wallet, but I need to develop my mind, my my heart. Welcome to another awesome episode of Inspiring Explorers. And this is your host, Manakshi Srivastava, also known as My Boho Voyage. And for this episode of Inspiring Explorers, we have yet other amazing and inspiring explorer who made six figures of income launching a Minecraft server named PPNC when he was just 15 years old. Yes, you guessed it right. This amazing personality is none other than Mark Metry. Mark started playing Minecraft in his teen years and to show off his skills in the game, he started posting his games on YouTube. And as he found the server to be too slow, instead of waiting for anybody else to fix it for him, 15-year-old Mark launched his own Minecraft server that boasted over 10 million users super soon, which helped make a fortune for the teenage Mark. But the story doesn't end here. It actually begins here. Imagine at 15, you suddenly get all the money in the world to do everything you want to do and to buy all the things that you want. But what next? What would you do with all the money at the young age of 15? And that confusion led Mark to get into depression, overeating and being suicidal. But today, Mark is the founder of VU Dream, a virtual reality and augmented reality marketing company. Also the founder of Growcast, host of Global Top 100 Humans 2.0 podcast. TEDx speaker, author, global speaker, and a lot more. Mark has been featured in Forbes, Amazon Prime's documentary series, The Social Movement, Huffington Post, etc. In this episode, Mark and I have talked about his inspiring journey, how to get that mental toughness, the importance of eating healthy, and many more super insights. Tune into this episode for the insights, the laughters, and to know more about the beautiful soul of Mark Metry. Also, don't forget to check out the links in the description box below to connect with Mark Metri and me. I'm Anakshi Srivastava, your host for Inspiring Explorers, and I welcome you to the show Inspiring Explorers. Each week, I'll be interviewing some of the most successful personalities who will share with us their inspiring life journeys and some of the interesting travel experiences that are not limited to sightseeing. Guys, make sure you share this episode with your friends. Please do subscribe, follow, give a 5-star rating and hopefully a review. And also don't forget to come say hi to me on Instagram at the rate my boho voyage. Now before I start this episode, let me inform you that we recorded this interview during the COVID-19 lockdown and hence the recording was done remotely. We were both sitting in our houses and recorded it online. So please don't mind the background noises and I hope you still enjoy it. So without any further ado, let me welcome the amazing soul and personality, the founder of VU Dream and Growcast and the host of Global Top 100 Humans 2.0 podcast, Mark Metry. Uh, welcome to Inspiring Explorers, Mark. So happy to see you and have you here. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. 
Okay, so I can like begin with a lot of questions because what an inspiring and interesting journey you have of your life, like so many different things that you have done. But let's begin with where like how was your childhood and a little brief if you can share it with our audiences like how was your childhood to becoming the journey basically a little brief of your journey from your childhood to becoming the successful personality you are today yeah so um so you're lucky because i actually just did um at the end of last year this uh this this film studio in hollywood uh reached out to me and they're basically like hey mark we're doing this uh, national campaign for mental health yeah. and basically we want we want to take your life story and feature it into a documentary short for episode so today we literally just did the second round of of a virtual production uh we're we're, do, we're recording it in person this saturday wow. um so i basically you know for me my childhood um my parents came to america a year before i was born from egypt and they immigrated to the United States the east coast in uh kind of like the Boston Massachusetts east coast area and they they came to this country with $200 in their pocket they didn't speak english i remember growing up sleeping on the floor <laughs> in an apartment building um and um and yeah you know i remember having like a like a very simple childhood and i remember my parents you know tried their best to work as hard as they could um and i just remember being a simple childhood and for me when i look back at my life things that really began to impact me was around like second grade when i was a kid uh my family and i we moved out of the more populated inner city area and we moved to the small town that had like 5000 people in it and the really interesting part about this town was that there was no uh racial diversity in this town Oh. um and and also this is a this is a time this is post 9/11 in America and so if you were you know middle eastern or arab or anything like that then you know there was a lot of racism in America for you and so i remember just being a kid and living just you know being plopped into this small town everybody there is white and i remember just facing just like a lot of racism that i had never experienced before and i remember that just sort of like that impacted me so much um and that really began to set the stages for you know a lot of the issues that i faced regarding uh like social anxiety my mental health um and so yeah you know after that i uh you know lived like for a solid 10 years of my life when i had moved to that spot you know really just like having no friends not talking to people uh being very anxious socially anxious uh you know facing depression things like that um and so yeah you know that was that was most of my life and um and it wasn't until you know I grew up where you know things started to shift and what not but uh yeah that was that's that's for me that's the beginning part of my life yeah quite a journey there so like what brought the change and you talked about you know by the time you were 15 you had a lot of money through the minecraft servers that you yeah. developed and yet when you were 18 and 19 those were the darkest phases of your life so why so 
Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, so you know, for me, I um, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't successful at school or anything like that. I didn't have a lot of friends, and so for me, I really went towards the internet. And like like you said, that's how I, you know, started making money, started doing things. Um, and so yeah, by the time like I was 15, 16, I was pretty financially well off, and um, you know, I was just sort of like living the American dream. Like <laughs> I had a ton of money. I bought whatever I wanted. I could do whatever I want. And, you know, I think what really happened was that the dream for me dried up from the perspective of, I realized that this whole fantasy that our society sells of like, Hey, you know, get good grades and, um, and get a good job so you can make a good a good salary and then you'll be happy of course that's important but um you know when i experienced that i kind of felt like i had skipped steps and i kind of felt like i did i already accomplished and i got what i wanted even though i was 16 i didn't even finish high school and so when i experienced that i truly felt like this weird period where i felt like I was like, I was given like a shortcut where I was like, oh my God, like all of my friends who are going to school to, to do whatever and do whatever, whenever I ask them a question of like, what do they want to do? Or like, why are they doing it? It always somehow relates back to the money. And again, money is very important, but I had already achieved that level of money, but I didn't do any of those things. And so that for me was a really confusing period. Because, you know, nobody around me had any of the answers because everyone was still down at that level. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, And so, and so, yeah, you know, when I faced that, that was just a really confusing time because I was like, wait, I already did what I thought I was supposed to do. And I don't really see much past this. And so, yeah, that was a really interesting time where I just started to realize that money does not equal success. Money does not equal happiness. And that was my definition of success and happiness before. Uh, So I totally had to like reevaluate everything I was doing. I had to truly ask myself why I was doing things. Um, And yeah, you know, it's a very common story, you know, like all of a sudden you start making the most amount of money you've ever made. And then a lot of people get depressed or they get anxious. And uh, it's a very common thing because um, what I've also learned is that, you know, if you don't have money, then you're going to be anxious. You're going to be nervous because you're going to be like, I can't afford my bills. I can't afford food, whatever it is, right? That's the problem. Hmm. But then also something interesting happens is once you make enough money to where you can survive and, and, and some, then it, then your mind starts to worry about other things <laughs> because you're like, Oh wait, I already, like, I don't need to worry about money. So then your mind starts to worry into all these other things that, that sometimes don't even matter. True. So then the next step becomes, okay, I've made it this far. Now I need to like truly understand what life is about. And I need to not just develop, you know, my wallet, but I need to develop my mind, my, my heart, um, you know, my creativity, different things like that, my mental health. And so that for me really became sort of the goal um, because I had realized that you can be, you know, rich and successful and, and even have respect from people, 
but if you at the end of the day if your brain isn't working properly if your mental health isn't like operating at a good level and you don't know what you're doing in life you have no bigger cause then it's very easy to you know sort of fall down a dark path and and you know get you know especially today in 2020 where it's so easy to just like fall down a rabbit hole somewhere in, in, in the world, whether that's like with drugs or alcohol or with TikTok and like social media or video games or whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but. Um. <laughs> no, it's cool. You know, the thing that, you know, people are worried about money and then you finally have a lot of money before you know about if you should have that financial, you know, success or not, you already have that. Now what's next? So yeah, that could be confusing and all. So what was the step that you took to, you know, to understanding that now I have the money and what I have to do next and be, you know, the version 2.0 of yourself? Oh man. Um, yeah, it was very messy. Um, and so, um, and so I remember like when this was happening, I remember basically seeing like two paths in front of me, right? Because I think like once you understand something, once you realize something, now it's up to you to make a decision, right? And, and even when you don't think that you do have a decision. And so yeah. doing something is a decision and then also not doing something is a decision. And so I saw these two decisions of like, hey, Mark, try to learn about this. Try to be proactive and, and learn and research so that you can take the steps in your life to, you know, get healthier, to, to find out what success is, you know, you know, that, that good path. And then I saw another path of just like, eh, I could just say, screw it and just keep doing what I'm doing and just be lazy. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember too, at that time, a big thing for me was, I already mentioned it, social anxiety. And I actually realized that I had social anxiety after I went to my first college party and I got drunk for the first time in my life. Okay. And, and I remember drinking for the first time in my life and because alcohol is a social lubricant, you know, all of a sudden, even if you're shy, you can walk up to anybody and talk to them. And so I remember experiencing that. And that's actually what made me realize that I had social anxiety in the first place. Hmm. Um, and so, and so there was a part of me that was like, oh, you could just keep, you could just go back to like drinking alcohol and that could just be your solution. Right. You know what I mean? And unfortunately <laughs> that's the case for a lot of people who face social anxiety around the world, yeah. um, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, that, those are the two kinds of paths that I saw. And I, and like most people, I did what most people did. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to take the way out, take the easy way out. And I remember I tried to do that for like a month or two. And basically what happened was I, I, I didn't get that much into alcohol or drugs, but for me, my real drug of choice was food. And so I remember just like being so depressed and like literally feeling like I just sold my soul and like my soul isn't going to have its chance to reach its, its potential. And I just like would just eat myself away. And I remember I would come back from class and I would just order like all kinds of things. Like I remember there were, there were weeks where I was spending like a thousand dollars a week on just takeout food. Wow. And so like, yeah. And so like, I was literally just eating, eating all my emotions away. And, um, and next thing I know, 
I'm like, I'm like obese. I'm like over 200 pounds. And for the first time in my life and my lifelong social anxiety that, that I've always had, that's always made me shy transforms into social isolation where I just don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then I, you know, kind of feel like I get seriously depressed for the first time in my life, which then leads me to, you know, being in like this really dark time in my life for like three weeks, four weeks a month uh, where I was suicidal. And so eventually I kind of reached like this rock bottom where I just got so desperate, where I was literally just like, Mark, if you don't like totally change your life around, and at least if you just don't do something to help yourself, you're going to be like a statistic. Like, it's kind of like one of those weird things where like, you kind of like, you see yourself like, oh, I could like, one day this could be a really like messed up movie. Like, I, like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. I think, I think the biggest thing was, um, was just realizing that there's nothing worse in life than your, than, than you being your own worst enemy, than your brain being your own worst enemy. And so when I hit that level of like true rock bottom internally, not externally, although also externally, um, that's where I, I had like a major perspective shift. And I truly like, I, like, I don't know, it's kind of, it's, it's like so weird to say this, but I truly like from that moment, that was like the first day of the rest of my life. Like, it's weird. Like when I think of like who I was before that, it's like really hard to remember because I I feel like a totally different person than who I am now. And so basically, you know, I think for me, you know, my story, and I just basically realized that I was either going to become a statistic or I was going to rise above and become an example for people who do feel like, they are invisible for people who do feel like, you know, no matter what they face, racism, poverty, they feel like they can't talk. They feel like their brain is holding them back. You know, all these things that I went through where I felt like I was crazy, where I felt like I was just alone. um, You know, I've learned that I've had to speak up. And so, yeah, it's been a journey ever since then. But um but yeah, that was kind of the path. And, you know, I, it, t- it took me a while to get on it. And, yeah. And there's still always ups and downs, but. Yeah, definitely. So you talk about being societal and depression. So there's a lot of people and so many people that suffer through this. And sometimes they don't even share with people. So what do you suggest them steps or something that would help them to come out of depression or anxiety or, you know, coming out of those societal thoughts? How can they do that? Yeah. So one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people are facing these problems is because nobody talks about this in our society. And if people do talk about it, it's often faced with some sort of a stigma. Hmm. And there's, you know, there's different cultures where this may happen more. So for example, in the Middle East, in parts of Asia, many parts of Asia, um, this is where this is the most common where, uh, you know, for a wide variety of reasons, uh, people can face mental health problems. And even though they're a totally normal part of being a human being, um, they're either not talked about. And so like, for example, you know, for example, like I, uh, I would say that 
the biggest thing that holds people back around these things around like helping themselves if they are depressed or suicidal is often the shame, the stigma that can hold somebody back that makes them feel ashamed because when you feel ashamed, then you don't accept yourself. Mm. And when you don't accept yourself, then, you know, you can never work on yourself because you can never forgive yourself because you are going to make mistakes And when you can't forgive yourself and you can't accept yourself, then you can't love yourself. And so a lot of the times these things, depression, suicide, they're often like these these viruses that enter in your mind and they almost like take control of you and they enter in through a weak spot. And that weak spot could be it could be a wide variety of things. It could be your genetics. It could be, you know, a big part of this is, you know, if you face some sort of a traumatic moment, you know, like, let's say you go through a breakup or your parents die or something unfortunate like that. And your brain sort of, your brain is like a, it's like your leg, it breaks. And so what happens is like, for example, if you break your leg, you, you sort of get a crutch, right? Like you get crutches, you get a wheelchair and then that supports you up. And then after a little bit, then you sort of, you don't need the crutches and you just have a cast, right? And then after that, then the cast goes away. Now you can walk with your leg. This is the same way that life works, but with our brain, something bad happens. So for example, for me, you know, I'm this young kid living his life. Next, next minute I know I'm thrown in this very racist, hostile environment where I'm placed in an event that is socially humiliating to me which then creates the traumatic memory. Mm. And so what happens is my brain broke in that moment. And then as a crutch, as it's healing thing, for me, that became social anxiety. And which was like, hey, I got hurt once, socially speaking. And so my brain is like, we're not gonna talk to anybody for the rest of your life, right? And so there's different versions of this. And then what happens is, that crutch, because it's, it's not meant to be forever, it, it, it hurts to walk on now. And then what happens is you start to look for other crutches, right? And so a lot of these times, these crutches, we find them in our lives naturally. And generally speaking, they're usually not good crutches. And so, for example, you know, for me, like I talked about how food, you know, was yeah. a crutch for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Food. Yeah you can heal you but i mean at least in america you know you're talking about like 150 million obese people you know food is used to abuse a lot of people in their own personal lives and so basically that's really it and so and so depression suicide anxiety it's this virus that comes in your mind because of some weak spot that happened to you and then what happens is our brain finds some crutch that's Mm -hmm. usually not good because we were never taught how to how to operate our minds we were never taught what mental health was we were never taught you know sort of any of these coping mechanisms and so and so yeah you know it's really unfortunate and what happens is people they they grow up they become adults and a lot of the times they still have the same exact crutches and so really you know i think it's the process of trying to you know get on that path of of like recovery of healing and it's going to take a long time you know what i mean so like for example i'm 23 i i'm i'm uh, you know uh, i changed my life when i was like 18 and um 
you know, from basically ages eight to 18 uh, for a decade, I was locked inside of like this mental prison. And so I've been on this journey for the last five years. And so there's still so much that I have to like uncover uh, because of those things, you know, even, even today, and it's a journey that's always going to keep on happening, happening. And, you know, there's all kinds of tools and different crutches and all things that you could, that I've discovered that, you know, many people talk about as well that I talk about in my book, Screw Being Shy. Well, that's so cool. I had it right there. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) And, um, and so, yeah, that's like one of the biggest things to understand. And like the biggest thing is just like, most people don't even begin to look at the crutch that is holding up their mind and to try to replace it with a different crutch or to try to heal because they have been told that, you know, if you face this problem, then people won't like you. Or, you know, if you face this problem, then you're weird and people won't look at you the same, you know, or or something like that. And so the biggest thing is just like, you need to change your, not, not, not change your society or your culture, but you need to change them in your head. And so for example, um, you know, like the ability to like find new friends, the ability to create new like circles of community of people that you spend time with that can help you normalize these things. That's a very big important part of it. And so, because if you do that and, and, and you start to talk to people, then you're like, oh, wait, this is like, I'm not some weirdo, you know, or like, like everyone talks about this. Like, you know, now, like when I talk to someone who may not talk about this stuff regularly, to me, it seems so weird because it's like, I go on podcasts all the time. I talk with people around me. We all know this stuff. We all talk about it. And so for me in my brain, it's like 100% normal, but then someone else in their life where it's like, all these things aren't normal it's much harder for you to do it if it's not normal. Right. And so I think what it is, it's, it's trying to change what our definition is of normal. And you can do that by changing the people that you talk to. You can change, you can do that by changing, you know, your mental diet and then also your literal diet. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty big subject, but that's like the way that I would begin to talk about it with people who someone who faced that issue. Definitely. Like you talked about changing our environment mentally. So yeah, there are different coping mechanisms. So uh, like when you talked about mental health and developing mental health. So Mm -hmm. let's say a person develops mental health. That mental toughness is something they talk about with people start following people like you listening to podcasts. So they develop that. Let's say they develop that over a process of time. But you were also obese, you said, and you weighed around 215 pounds. So how did you, you know, reduce that much weight, like mental toughness and then physical toughness? Let's talk about that. How did you reduce that? Yeah. So the funniest part is that both of these things are, they're both correlated, right? And so um, Will Smith, the actor, he has this quote and he says, the two things that you should do in life are reading and running yeah and he says reading obviously to like learn new ideas and and gain knowledge whatever and then he says running and the reason why he says running is because there are very few things in life where you are placed into an instant feedback loop with yourself um and so for example like 
breathing and like your breath and meditation, that's one of them. Another one of them is through running. And so basically what that means is like your brain is created to control your body. That's one of the main reasons why we even have a brain. And so when you tell your brain, hey, pick up your left, pick up your left foot, put up your right foot, left foot, like running, like right foot, left foot, right foot, like move your body like this, run, breathe more. Basically, when you're doing that, you're not only testing your body, but you're also testing your brain as well, because your brain is the thing that feels pain or is one of them. And so basically you run, you run, you run. There's a spot where your brain is like, stop stop running. It's this hurts. Stop it. Okay. Stop, stop it. Stop it. It's hurting. And so it's super great. For example, like I can see my mental toughness when I go for a run and I see this game that my brain is playing inside of my mind with my body. And it's like a feedback loop. And honestly, I think running is a bigger test of your brain than it is of your body for the most part. Um, and, and, and I know people who, you know, run marathons and they tell me that all the time, you know, running is about your, your mind for the most part. Um, and so that's like a very clear example of how your physical health and your mental health are correlated. Um, in terms of, in terms of what you said, you know, I have this chapter in my book and it's, it's titled, um, a strong brain, a strong mind is built in the kitchen. And basically what I talk about is, you know, a lot of people think that the food that you eat, like the physical, like the physical food that you eat, it's all about like calories in calories out. It's all about how much you weigh. And we just eat food to just fill our bodies and not be hungry. Right. But that's not the case. (laughs) You know, that's what I was taught growing up. And for me, when I began to realize that basically like, what is your mind? What is your mindset? Your mind, your mindset is housed inside of your brain. And so if your brain, which is like a natural organ, the same way it's like a heart, for example, like your heart or your lungs, if that's damaged, if it's, if it's going to have problems, then you're going to have problems as well. Right. So it's like people have heart disease, people have asthma. Right. And so the brain works in the same way and it'll affect your mind. But instead of in a physical way, per se, unless we're talking about dementia, which I believe is like a physical brain decline, um, it, it it's sort of heavily connected. And so basically what I'm saying is it is impossible to have like powerful, strong mental health if you don't have a powerful, strong body, I don't necessarily mean like you have to have big muscles. I'm talking about internally within. So like if someone looks apart your brain and they see that your brain is heavily inflamed because for example, you eat junk food all the time, you drink alcohol all the time, you're sitting inside for most of the day, you're not sleeping well, you're drinking coffee all day, you're doing drugs, you're not eating any healthy food, you're not exercising, your brain is literally going to, your brain itself is going to look so depressed, it's almost going to be impossible for your mind to not follow and to not be depressed as well. And so, you know, in my book, I break this down. And, and, you know, one of the most powerful ways for you 
to gain control of this is by changing what you eat. You know, your nutrition is one of the biggest things that you can change because your brain's entire basis for neuro, like different neurotransmitters, like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, that do have sort of a real world output, for example, that, you know, make you, you know, do different habits that may result in various problems with like behavior, um, serotonin, when it comes to your mood, your appetite, your sleeping level, how you, how you function when it comes to people and social groups, all of that stuff has to do with your brain's neurotransmitters, the, the building blocks that create your brain that is mostly created by food. And so if you just think about it, if you are eating crackers and Oreos and, and Kool-Aid and Coca-Cola all day, your brain is literally not going to work, you know? And, and like, depending on your genetics, depending on who you are, you may be able to do this for like 30 years, 40 years. I'm glad that my body broke when I was 18 because I'm glad that it, that it like showed me the importance of this stuff early on because you can't have a healthy mind if you don't eat healthy food. Like it's just not possible. And there's other people that, that try to prove you wrong, but I don't, I wouldn't listen to those people. Um, and the reality is, is that this is such a problem in today's world because like in America, at least, or like any developed country, and any even not developed country, I mean, the the food that we have access to is absolutely like nobody's nobody's talking about this. And I truly think that when we look back at this time in history, we're gonna realize that junk food and sugar and artificial chemicals and preservatives, um, that's gonna be the one of the most detrimental things for all of human society. That is creating so much damage for mental health and also physical health as well, like obesity and heart disease. And so it's, um, it's truly worrying, especially the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, think this is a fad or whatever, but, um, yeah, changing your food is so important. Like it's one of the biggest things. And, and, you know, as you change your physical body, you'll also change your mental health. However, there are also balances, you know, there's people who, there's people who eat broccoli every day and, and run for six miles and yet they still hate their lives. You know what I mean? So, so there's, so there's, there's, there's balances to it, but I think like starting off with, um, with, with one of the, um, you know, sort of like basics of like, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy of like all human beings have needs. And at the very bottom, you know, our needs are, making sure you have like a place to live and food and, and things like that. And so if you can get those down, that's going to help a lot. And so that's like one of the biggest things that I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Like, thanks for throwing light on that. It's like totally insightful. All of this that you shared that food is equally important. And a lot of uh, people like the successful ones, especially I've seen they're switching their food and diet a lot. Like they're transforming themselves into vegan. And because all these foods that you talked about, like we're having Lay's, we're having Coca-Cola, and it's all deteriorating our health as well as our mind. So that's very true. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the truth. And and um and like literally every single person I know who's like truly successful and happy, they all 
look at their diet, every single one of them. And, yeah. um, and, and like the reality is, is that there's no such thing as a universal healthy diet. Um, but the one universal element is that, you know, there's a category of foods that was created like 75 years ago, and that's junk food. And so that is the one tr- sort of like fad diet. Um, like, you know, whether someone is a vegan or not, I think that's debatable. But yeah. um, the biggest thing is just like, we need to move away from this artificial crap. And, um, and I mean, I, I like break it down all in my book, it's crazy to like, even believe that these things are out there. And, and there are kids that are eating this stuff. And there are people who don't know any better. And it's, um, it's truly like one of the like, when people ask me, what's like one thing that you've been able to do for your mental health, hands down food, no doubt, you know, like without food, you don't have anything like that's like one of the very basic things that you can switch off. And, um, and yeah, like there's all sorts of things that can go into like your gut microbiome and whatnot. But, but yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And so talking about your book, Screw Being Shy, uh, we would like to see that cover one more time. That was really yeah. quick. <laughs> Do you like the cover? Yeah, it's lovely. It's a mix so basically there's this guy here. Yeah. He's whispering yeah. and, and he's blue. He's, he kind of looks depressed. There's this person here who's talking and they look happy and, and they both... They both have a little design of a brain. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's really meant to say that there's two sides of the coin. Yeah. There's two sides of the coin. It's your choice. And um, and yeah, it's a interesting. It's my yeah, first it's book ever. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so talking about your first book, you launched it in 2020. So, and the COVID happened, and a lot of things changed. <laughs> you recently uh, talked about it on Instagram as well. So what? changes did COVID brought into your life yeah my book came out literally the day the entire world shut down (laughs) and um I remember I was headed to New York and I remember um man I just like remember just like being like oh crap I literally have to like I don't know what I'm gonna do I don't know if this is gonna last for like a week or what you know what I mean what um I had like a TEDx talk plan I had like a whole event series planned and uh yeah i mean honestly it was quite depressing to be honest with you it was really sad <laughs> and um and, and you know to be honest with you i um i remember i like hustled a lot like the weeks after covid because everything basically everything in all of our lives everything broke and we had to like you know yeah. fix everything and so i remember i was doing that and i remember there was a period where you know i basically i got burnt out in like april and I, you know, I was, I was hustling so hard, so hard to launch the book and put everything together. And then COVID hit and I was like, oh my God, I have to redo all of this for the most part. And then I had to do that again. And so, yeah, like April, I got burnt out. It was a crazy time. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's really interesting, you know, overall, my biggest takeaways from it, um, you know, to me, I think a lot of people, they look at writing a book as like some crazy thing. And it was definitely a lot of work for sure. But to me, it was just like, this is the first of many books. You know, this is just an experiment for me. Um, and so for me, like the reward of doing everything, that was itself writing the book. You know, and I, I like, I kind of told myself like, hey, Mark, the fact that you're, you're going to like write this book, that's like the reward in and of itself. And then any, any, any like cherry on top is people's feedback that they give to me. 
Yeah. Um, and so both of those things have happened. You know, people tell me all the time they love my book from young to old people. And they tell me that it's, you know, it's one thing, you know, I think it's one thing to, you know, write like some novel storybook or something like that and like have people read it, to, have people read it and be like, oh, well, that's awesome. But, um, but I think just the fact that I like wrote this book about like social anxiety and like mental health and being yourself, like that's like such a powerful um, you know, thing, you know? And so if someone reads that and they resonate with that, you know, they, and they change their lives around, you know, they're always going to remember that, you know? And so that's been happening and that's really what I've wanted, you know? And so, yeah. And so it's definitely, it's definitely been interesting for sure. Uh, COVID I think has changed a lot of things for a lot of us. Um, yeah. How about you? How have things changed for you since COVID? Well, I started podcasting, so because I knew everything was going to be locked down. <laughs> so yeah, oh, although I'm a traveler. That's and awesome. It's, yeah, so it gets me oh irritated. Oh it's been so tired. <laughs> yeah, it gets me irritated to stay at home for like so long. In July, I went to Colorado, which was fun. But other than wow. that, I haven't traveled. Yeah. Well, but yeah, yeah, I hope you travel more, you know. It's, it's quite good. And now you are, you know, like you got a call from Hollywood, so... Where would it be releasing, like Prime or Netflix? You have one on Prime, um, by the way, right? Yeah, that's a different one. Yeah, that's a different one. Okay. Um, and so I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah. and yeah, you know, I think the, I think for me, you know, when I look back on my journey, the biggest thing is just like, um, is uh, is the, like the ability to grow myself and also be of service to other people. And I think the biggest thing, it's like whether I've, I've, I've written this book or I'm doing my podcast, the biggest thing is that I need to feel the fulfillment and validation of doing something from actually doing it. And that's been the biggest lesson for me that I'm still trying to learn. And it's basically like, what is the difference between you writing a book and doing it just to do it compared to write a book in order to get validation from something? And I think for me, you know, is this theme of external validation has something has been a theme that I've always looked at because, you know, I don't want to be one of, you know, I don't want to be like one of these successful rich people one day where I just feel like I have to always get things from the outside and like nothing is never enough. You know, for me, I, I internal validation and being able to like practice this muscle of feeling fulfilled based on how you're viewing it yourself and based on not it's, you know, it's, it's, it's accolades and it's validations from the outside. And I find that if you can find a balance between those things, then I think like people can become really successful for the right reasons and, and for the long term as well. Um, and so that's always like, that's always a trick. Um, and I think, you know, with travel too, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, there's a lot of people, for example, I mean, now this is probably not a good example because the world is shut down, but they're like, I, kn I knew people, for example, who they would travel like every week. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, but I think that there are some people who travel just so they don't have to face themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's true with anything, right? It could be traveling. It could be whatever. Right. True, true. And so I think the biggest thing is just like, how can I travel and actually make it a good experience. And then so I can actually learn more about myself, about the, you know, the, the environment that I'm in, the culture. Um, 
And then what can I sort of take away from that versus, you know, sort of looking at it from this angle of like, how can I view travel as like my escape? And of course we, we need escapes. I think especially now I'm trying to escape. Um, but, but I think that's something that's interesting. And I, and I honestly find that a lot of the truly successful people that I know, they always look at that of like, just because you can do something that's like cool and awesome doesn't mean you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and, and, you know, I, and like, I think you can, like someone can become, I think like when you look at people who have truly become successful, they're people who have looked at their craft, look at, looked at their skill and they sat and they, they were like, I genuinely love doing this. And if I can do this just for the sake of doing this, then anything else that comes or doesn't come is, is like, is whatever, you know? And so I think like releasing yourself of that expectation can be great. And I don't know, that's something that I struggle with, but it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if that made any sense. I think I just went on a tangent there. It does. It does. It does. Like fulfilling is something a lot of people talk about. Like, it's not about money. It's about, you know, the fulfillment in anything that you love. Like this guy I met was that he loves collecting Legos just for the sake of his fulfillment. He earns all that money and then he spends all that money on Legos. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. And no, I, feel- know, I feel like it's going to be me. <laughs> yeah, so it's all There's about- like people doing that with Pokemon cards. Yeah. You talked about that. Like your entrepreneurial journey began while selling Pokemon cards as a kid. You know, honestly, that's like the most depressing thing ever because I, <laughs> on a side note, so it's funny. So I had like a ton of Pokemon cards like three years ago and I sold all of them and I sold all of them for maybe about a thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. No, no, you have no idea. If I held on to one card, one card that I had, that card sells today for $250,000. You're kidding, right? <laughs> yeah. So if I sold, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. So if I sold all of them right now, I would literally have like an extra like $2 million in my pocket. Oh my God. (laughs) The loss. Yeah, seriously, my life is so hard, right? (laughs) (laughs) There's people who don't even have jobs and stuff and people out here on the internet selling cars for $250,000. That's the kind of world we live in, you know? (laughs) True. And people are mad about the Pokemon cards rather than being mad about the books that we, you know, the motivational speakers sell all around to develop your life. No, I want the Pokemon cards. That's more fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's so funny. That's yeah. like, that's such a good point. This happens. This happens all the time. Yeah. You know what it is? It's the, it's the crutch. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, true, like true. The, yeah. And like the biggest thing about it is that like, this, this is the biggest thing. If you're not used to like growing, if you're not used to doing like good things, which I think a very few of us are, I mean, it depends how your parents are, then when you try to do those things, they're not going to feel natural. Yeah. They're not going to feel like they're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's because like, we're not calibrated to like know what's right and know what's wrong. And so, I mean, at least for me, I wasn't. Um, and so I think the biggest thing is just like being aware of that. And then like realizing the difference between, having fun with something and then using it as an escape. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's like watching Netflix because you just want to like relax or something compared mm-hmm. to like, I want to escape into Netflix because I don't want to deal with my life. You know what I mean? So I think 
that's one of the biggest things. And then when you are binging Netflix that, and you're escaping, that feels more natural than it does to like control that. You know what I mean? At least for, at least it did for me. And so that's like the biggest thing of like, um, like we just do things based on the feeling. Like that's what human beings do. Like we do things based on our feelings, but our feelings are not collab are not, um, are not, do not reflect reality. You know, our feelings are mostly still based off like our inner child, eight-year-old version of us that just wants to like run around and like have things our way. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've been there. I I locked down myself way before the lockdown for three years. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching animes and- There's this quote that I, I don't, I, okay, okay. This is, this is really weird. It's, this, is, this quote is either from Dr. Seuss or Lana Del Rey. And she says- like if you work hard after years your real life is going to be way crazier than your dreams than whatever you could possibly see on tv and so that for me was like one of the biggest things and and i see it now coming true for myself um and so it's uh yeah there's nothing wrong with tv there's nothing wrong with anime or whatever but (laughs) when that becomes your life and you like outsource your life to like a tv show I've been there and it's, um, I wish all those people the, the help that they need to, to get out of that. It's, it's a tricky one. It just happens, you know, and then eventually you get out of it. It's, it's different for every person and it's on a different stage for every person. So yeah, nobody can control that or change that. It's, it's, it's totally on us to, you know, whenever we need to get out, nobody can help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. So yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. right. And, and, you know, a big thing to piggyback off that real quick is, you know, what, something that I've learned is that everyone is exactly where they are for a reason. And like, I, I, I tend to think like, imagine if someone took the 17 year old version of me and they like forced me to like do all these things, you know what I mean? Like eat healthy and meditate and do all these things. I would literally hate my life and I'd probably walk away from those things even more. You know what yeah. I mean? And so yeah. it's like right time right spot you get exposed to the right things that's how someone can truly change their life you know and and so trying to repay that the same way that that happened to me with other people that may not know that i exist yet that's like one of my big goals yeah so it's uh yeah everyone's got a beautiful journey and they're right in the middle of it you know exactly exactly and it's it's always you know the timing of the universe that works on you and that's when you universe pushes you to do it or not do it whatever they guide you anyway so well coming to your fulfillment part so you also have this podcast to inspire people and help people human 2.0 and it's not just a regular podcast it has hit like 10 million (laughs) (laughs) listeners and viewers so uh you know what was the purpose behind starting the human 2.0 podcast and why did you start it So I started my podcast a year into my journey. And basically, I started it because I was like, hey, I'm still running into different problems and issues that I have in my life. And so I didn't know how to fix those problems. And so I was like, what can I do to create a learning tool so that I can talk to the smartest people in any given industry topic that I'm interested in so that they can... um, like have a conversation with me. I can ask them any questions and get it. 
I think that's also why I've, I've like, why I've, I like constantly develop myself. I've been on this journey because I have a podcast where I'm just constantly surrounded by people who are way better than me. People who are way smarter than me. The purpose of it, same purpose why I started it for myself. Um, and so for me, I, I remember coming up with the name of it, Human 2.0, going for a run in the middle of the woods. And I just came up with this name because I was like, man, I feel like I have changed so much in every aspect of my life that I'm literally like a second version of myself. Like I'm a version 2.0. And so I was like, yo, if I did it, literally anybody can, but they just need the access to the tools, the information, the skills, the stories, the lessons that they need to put these things in their life um, at a meaningful level. And so, um, and so, yeah, that's like that, that's really like one of the biggest messages of it. And I really try to invite all kinds of people from all walks of life, from, you know, like the co-founder of Netflix to to billionaires like Naveen Jain, to professional athletes, um, and really all talk about kind of like mental health, talk about, you know, what they face on their journey underneath the surface, the issues, the, the, the traumas, the stresses, the struggles. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really sort of the main premise behind it. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Like, I, I was like trying to, you know, research about you. So I went to your podcast and, you know, tried to listen to them. And I was like, oh, my God, how many episodes has he released already? <laughs> like, I was trying to get to the introduction part and it was like way back. Way 586. Back. And I do not recommend listening. Actually, yeah, 586. Wow. That's a lot, yeah, that's a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and editing. Yeah. So while talking yeah. about your podcast again, uh, you have been interviewing a lot of successful personalities like you talked about. So what are your takeaways from your Human 2.0 podcast and your learnings from your Human 2.0 podcast? The number one thing that I've learned is this. Like if I was, so for example, if I was interviewing you, I would have that moment before you would come on and I'd be nervous. You know, and I, I, my heart would race, whatever, peak state, not peak state. And, um, and I think the biggest thing for me is just like, when I realized that, like, when I think that, that, like, what I'm going through is not normal, that's where the real problem lies. And so, honestly, for me, after interviewing so many people, the number one lesson that I have gotten is it doesn't matter if you are, you know, Jay Shetty to the co-founder of Netflix to whoever you are, big or small, everyone still faces fear and anxiety in the sense that like there's like an inner, like an inner thing inside of them that constantly wants more and constantly wants to do better. Um, and so that has been the biggest thing that I have learned hands down, not even close relates to anything else, because honestly, anything that I have learned through my podcast, it, it's honestly become me and it's become part of my life and it's gone to a point where I don't even think about it anymore. Um, and so, yeah, the, the biggest thing is just all people successful, super successful, rich, famous, they all face anxieties and pains and fears. And so if you can realize that and, and realize that it's a human thing, then you should never not accept yourself because it's a totally normal human thing. So that's the number one thing that I would say. True, true. And that's that's actually a very beautiful takeaway, Mark. Like, All right. So Mark, coming to, you know, the travel part. 
So you have seen quite a lot of cultural diversities and you said in your many interviews that you went to Egypt and it was a life-changing experience for you. So what were your observations? Yeah. You know, not just the changes in you, but the changes in culture, like the differences that you noticed in both the places, America and Egypt. So, I mean, America is obviously America. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, America, you, you have freedom to do what you want. Egypt, not so much. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's totally different. I mean, Egypt is a very... It's very different. And, um, you know, honestly, this, this is the biggest thing that happened to me. You know, there's like this saying that like, if you, if you have kids in like a different country or something, or they immigrant or they immigrate and they go to America, they're going to grow up and they're not going to know who they are. And the reason why is because they don't know their roots. They don't know their origin. And so I remember I wasn't really in touch with that stuff. And I remember, like you said, in 2016, when I went to Egypt and I was kind of in like this weird dark spot in my life, mm. didn't know who I was. I remember like literally going there and being like, oh, I'm like, oh, snap. Like my parents left this area that, you know, Egypt is a very great place, but I mean, compared to America, it's, and, um, I just remember being like, like, oh my God, like this is where my parents grew up. And if I was born here, for example, like, man, who knows where my life could have been. And, and like the fact that like when I saw what I saw in Egypt, when I went back there, it truly just lit me up because I was like, whole, like I was this close to being like still living there. Um, and that's like, that was like such a motivating thing for me. Because I was like, and, and you know, at that time, Egypt had just gotten out of like a, like a, like a major, uh, like revolution, government change and so many issues with the country. And, and like, I remember my cousins, they told me crazy stories of how, like when the revolution was happening, there were, there was like people going in their neighborhoods with like AK-47s and like shooting people and like the craziest stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I just like remember thinking like, man, that was like, that's almost where I was. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, when I went there, it connected me with my roots and it really just kind of set a fire on my, under my butt. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like this is what's at stake here. Uh, this is the opportunity that I've been given. That's totally different mm. that people would literally kill for. And yet I took, kind of took it for granted. And so, yeah, when that happened, that, um, you know, that kind of went full circle and it taught me a lot. Yeah, the AK-47 thing is like, oh my god, that would give chills to anybody. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of bad stuff in every country, but yeah, true. Um, it's uh, no, nah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember there's like this crazy time where uh, my we were in we were in my grandma's apartment and my uncle like ran back and he came in the door. And he was like, oh, like, like they set this building on fire and there was like some crazy thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all in all, it taught me so much about my life. And um, it really taught me like where I come from and, and, and you know, who I am. And uh, it was uh, truly crazy. So um, definitely super grateful for that. Yeah. So like any good memories from Egypt, 
like sitting with your cousins, chatting and chatting, learning new things. Like you were born in America, so you have seen America, and then you're in Egypt, totally different culture. So any good memories? Yeah, many good memories. Many good memories. Can you、um, share with us? Sure. If you if people go to my Instagram and they scroll all the way to the bottom of my page, yeah, there's this picture that I took with my cousins. Really. And、um, they basically, I don't know if you guys have Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. They open like the first Dunkin' Donuts in, in Egypt, and so we like. We went to like this Dunkin' Donuts, and um, and I have this picture with me, and my cousins, they're like little kids, they're like two little girls, and um, and we're just like eating donuts, <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I remember it's just like a beautiful time. Yeah, I have many great memories. I don't know. Here's the picture in case you wanted to see it. <laughs> it's a beautiful one. I'm very interested in very uh, you know, various cultures and stuff like that. That's awesome. I'd love to go to India one day. I love Indians. I love your food too. <laughs> oh, cool. I mix everything up with you know Indian、uh, style. Like, even if I'm making Chinese food, noodles or something, I'll I'll add something of Indian version in that, <laughs> according to my taste. So really, <laughs> like what turmeric? Turmeric, no, yes, <laughs> on everything. <laughs> yeah. No, I add that in pasta. Italians are gonna kill me. I add turmeric in my pasta. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Any last message for our listeners and viewers? Um, my biggest message would be: so many people today are judging other people based on the outside. They say that person is rich; they have an easier life. When in reality, it all depends on what's going on in here and in here, and we can't judge people. And so, the what I would say is: next time you feel called to judge someone. Just remember that you don't know what they're going through, and your need to judge someone may actually be a reflection of what you need to do to yourself. So that's what I would say. All right. So Mark, <laughs> absolutely love talking to you so much for you know taking out time for me and this podcast. Absolutely love、yeah. having you here. Of course, thank you for inviting me. Okay, thank you, thank you, Mark. So this was Mark Metry's inspiring life journey so far, and some mind-blowing insights. Don't forget to check out the links in the description box below to connect with me and Mark. Thank you so much for giving your precious time to this podcast. If this episode was inspiring and insightful, please do drop a comment on my Instagram and YouTube at rate my boho voyage. Please do subscribe and give a five-star rating, and hopefully write a review for inspiring explorers. Also, please don't forget to connect with me on Instagram and YouTube. Drop me a hi or send me a comment so that I know we are in this journey together. This has been Akshay Shrivastava, your host for Inspiring Explorers, saying goodbye. See you next week with an amazing, inspiring interview. Till then, take care.